There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Point nine, Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul. Welcome to all of our radio family and our Kutamoyed. Ah, what a beautiful time to be joining you together. Erev Shabbos Cholmoyed Sukkis and we have up, uh, upcoming some amazing, amazing days. First of all, a beautiful Shabbos Cholmoyed with so much Kedusha, so much purity, so much beauty. And then of course, into the awesome day of Hashanah Rabbah, Hashanah Rabbah, is a day of second chances, a day of real opportunity for us, maybe if we haven't done as good as we can on in Rosh Hashanah Kippur, to, to change the final decision. And then, of course, Simchas Torah. What a week we look forward to. But, of course, we have our show, and we're going to discuss various different topics. But, of course, since this is a... Friday show, and we usually discuss the weekly Pasha. So this week's Pasha, although we're not going to lane it tomorrow on Shabbos, we're going to lane it only on Tuesday, is of course the Pasha of Zay Sabrocha, which discusses the death of Moshe Beinavah. And Moshe, the servant of Hashem, died there in the land of Moyav by the mouth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Moshe spent the most significant years of his life, right, the last 40 years of his life, as the quintessential leader of Klaitsho. He was always in the limelight, never alone, except when he died. Moshe left this world alone, without family, students, friends. Even Yeshua, his successor, was not with him. It was just he and, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As such, he was really never alone. He, as we all, are with Hashem. And perhaps we can glean a very powerful message from here. Hashem accompanies every Jew on his final journey. He may be alone in the hospital, not surrounded by family or friends. He may have led a solitary life, but at the moment of death, Hashem is with him. Perhaps that's why our greatest leader died alone, so that all of those who follow on this most significant life-concluding journey should be aware that just as Moshe was not alone, neither will they be. Moshe left us a legacy. The Torah, which he recorded by Hashem's command, every Jew must have a legacy. Whether it's something written, something remembered, something established, veritably, the only aspect of our humanity that is left over after our demise is memories. How we want to be remembered is demonstrated in the manner that we choose to live. We'll be remembered as spending every free moment learning, performing acts of, of chesed for those in need. We'll be remembered as, as, I don't know, as devoting our free time to sports, to, to the, the media and every other manner of wasting our time. Moshe worked until his very last breath. He didn't retire. This does not mean that one should not slow down when he physically is unable to carry the load that he did in his youth. Slowing down, however, is different than living life without purpose. Right? Yeah, you can go visit uh, retirement communities where just about everyone learns at least one sailor daily, right? And of course, besides that, that can be sure one can make one's life so, so important. Moshe Abenu was the archetypical public servant. His 
lasting messages. What is he called? Ever Hashem, the servant of Hashem. A servant neither takes holidays nor retires. He serves as long as he is needed. And when he's not needed, looks for an opportunity to help those who might benefit from his assistance. No one said that life on this world was going to be a picnic. Hashem placed us here for a reason, for a purpose. Until our very last moment, our goal should be to achieve that purpose. We should use our greatest leader as the model for our lives and strive to be that Ever Hashem. Maybe that's why we read Kohelis this Shabbos, to teach us this very, very sobering lesson. This is 101.9 FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Shabbos, Chol HaMoyed, Sukkot, Sukkot with all of its Simcha, Sukkot with all of its joy and happiness and many mitzvahs that, that we perform. And I want to pick up, up on something that's Yes, maybe it may seem that it's not such a highlight of of Sukkot, but it is something that's so relevant to Yom Tov, to all Jewish celebrations. You know, we're told that you have to rejoice on your Yom Tov, you, you and your sons, your daughters, your servants, your maidservants, and your stranger and your widow and your orphan and and what's the what's what's the connection my family and, and these these other people and the major says there's tremendous connection because if you really want to celebrate Yontif you have to look after my people if you look after the downtrodden the widow and and the orphan and the and the gear person who's the people are strange people in society people that, that are often not looked after people that are often scorned and people that are, are forgotten and ignored if you look after them and give them simcha and share your money and share your assets and share your 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 yant of table with them then you also will experience true true joy I had a difficulty in, in the davening. And, you know, we've said this phrase for I don't know how many years, and especially over this period of Tishrei, we said it on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and now for virtually five days of, of, of Sukkot already. And I never understood it. We say in the Musaf, because of our sins, Galinu, Mehatzeinu, we were sent into exile from our land and we were distanced from off our, our, our homesteads and we therefore were not able to go up and bow us and, and prostrate ourselves and do all the various different kinds of services that we used to be doing in the Beit HaMikdash. Why? Because because of the hand that was sent forth to your base Mikdash. And I suddenly caught myself, hey, what does that mean? Because of the hand, I mean, I would have understand to say, uh, because our enemies destroyed the base Mikdash. Or Hashem decided that the base Mikdash needed to be destroyed. What does it mean when they the hand that destroyed the base Mikdash. So, we're going to learn a very, very important lesson, I think, over here. The Priyat Chaim brings down on, on this portion of the Tzvillah, says, what does it mean? Ne'ayyad she He says, this is a, 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 a sod. It's a, it's a, it's a secret to understand, but he explains it based 
on a quote from the Zayra Kaddish. The Zayra says that, and this is the words that he says, there is a certain window in heaven, which is called Chaloin Zihara, it's called a window, and in that window is something that has the shape of a hand, and normally it remains subservient to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and, and lies kind of limp under the canopy of Hashem Shechina. But at the time of destruction of the base of Mikdash, he was given dominion and control over the base of Mikdash, and through him it was destroyed. And that's what it means, because of the hand that was sent out against the base of Mikdash. In other words, what he's saying that explains that in, in Shemayim, there's a certain star, again, that has the basic shape of a hand. I'm sure those who are knowledgeable in astronomy will probably be able to understand what star we might even be talking about. It has that general shape. And when the Besamikdash was standing, and the Yidden were doing the will of Hashem. So this hand, again, was a, 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 a ready and willing servant lying docile at the foot of the, of the, of the Shekhinah because of the Kedusha that dwelled in, in the Besamekdash. And that hand, when the Besamekdash was standing, was responsible for the Jews being able to subdue and subjugate all of their enemies. And in fact, that was the bracha that Yaakov Avinu gave to his son Yehuda. said to him, Literally, your hands will be on the neck of your enemies. And, and that's because of this yad, we were able to subdue our enemies. However, when the Jews no longer did the will of Hashem, so, so then, unfortunately, then Hashem caused that that hand was given power over the base of Mikdash and, and destroyed it. In fact, there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful Gemara in Baba Basra on page Yad Aleph. It brings the story of Munbaz the king who emptied out the treasury, his own personal treasury, the treasury of his, of his forefathers, because there was a terrible famine in the land of Israel. Everybody was needy and he gave away money, hand over fist, to feed and look after the indigent and and poor members of the Jewish nation. And his family was very upset. And they said, your fathers stockpiled so much wealth and you yourself have added on to the family fortune. And now you're going to waste it all? She said to them, My forefathers amassed a treasure down here. I, by giving stalka, I'm amassing a fortune in heaven. My forefathers amassed a fortune in a place, and it's the language of the Gemara, Shahayad Shaletas boy, where the hand can have dominion and control over it. I am amassing a fortune in a place where the hand has no ability to in any way touch it. And the Ben Ishtai, in his Sefer, Ben Yoyoda, explains, says, what does it mean, I laid up a fortune in a place where the hand cannot touch it? He says he is hinting to this, on this power that exists in, in the sign of impurity in the world, which is called a yad, as we say, and he quotes this pasuk, this uh, uh, phrase in our dominant that there is a kayach of negativity in the world, right, which has certain power, and Munbas is saying, what I did by giving stalka and doing it for the right reasons, for completely altruistic reasons, 
Then, therefore, this yad, these forces of negativity and evil, have no ability to touch or in any way impugn what I have done, because what I did it did not involve any arrogance. It didn't involve any other sort of self-serving motive, and therefore it's completely, completely protected. So what he's saying is that when a person doesn't give his money to charity and 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 just keeps it for himself and just worries about creating simcha and joy for his own personal family and forgets the others who are truly needy, so that's a sign that unfortunately that that hand, that the same hand that was instrumental in destroying the base of Mikdash has power over him also. But when a person spends his money and gives it to charity and gives it to worthwhile causes, so then that Yad has absolutely no ability to, to touch what he's, what he's, uh, what he's done. We'll come back with more on this topic after the little break. This is 11.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. We're just getting started. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. I'm back on your radio air. Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos Chalamai. It's Sukkot. Tough Shin. Pei. Gimel, what an amazing Shabbos as we are right in the middle of Chagasukas. But we're discussing an important topic. We're discussing the important that the simcha, that the joy of Yontav cannot be something that we limit only to ourselves, but we have to share. And we're talking about the phrase, and we're building up an idea that the Yad is something that is a force of negativity, a force of impurity that has power, has control over someone who does not act properly. And in fact, as we're saying now in the name of the Ben Ishchai, someone who hoards his money, his resources, his abilities just for himself, creates a tremendous danger. Perhaps we can explain it based on the words of the Shlach in in Parshas Chayesara, because we have there that Avram needs to find a wife for his son Yitzchak. So it says there that Avram spoke to his servant Zakan Beisoy, the elder of his house Eliezer, Hamoishel b'chol Hashalai, who was controlled everything that Avram owned, and he said to him, Simna yod chotachas yerechi. Place your hands by my thigh. And the Shlo writes, says, what does it mean? Hamoisha b'chol asheloi. He controls everything that he had. So he says, you can explain that this is referring to Avram himself. That Eliezer was Avram's servant. He was the elder statesman of the, of the house of Avram who controlled everything that he owned. And the illusion over here is that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given a person, Baruch Hashem, tremendous wealth, tremendous prestige, and he becomes a bit of a, a, a stingy person and doesn't want to share his wealth and his generosity with others, so certainly there are all kinds of what in the Svarim are called klipas, all kinds of external things and all kinds of insiders who who are, who are going to try to take away his his wealth and are going to withhold him that he won't be able to control and continue to hold that which he owns. But Avram Avinu, who was such a generous person and such a bald stalker, so he therefore was granted ultimate control and the ultimate right to own everything that in fact he owned. In other words, from this shla, we can learn out an awesome idea that if a wealthy person, Chas decides to close his fist and keep his money just for himself, not to give at all generously 
to any worthwhile causes to support the poor people. So then, that might be, the reason for that might be, is because the various forces of negativity, the Satan, the Sitra Avche, have ruled over his wealth, and they stop him, that he has no control over over his money, and he can't use it. When a person doesn't use it, he's then blocked, so he can't use it anymore to give to give that stucker. In fact, in the Sefer Kava Yosha, he brings a a, a a scary story about this, or perhaps maybe it's a analogy. She says that I once heard that it happened to a certain person who was a very 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 wealthy person. And he had huge, huge, huge storehouses of gold and, and, and silver and precious, precious gems. And this person, unfortunately, was very, very, very tight-fisted. There was no one like him in, in the whole world like that. And even on a Monday or Thursday, he never went to shul because he was afraid that there might be uh, itinerant beggars there, and you might have to give some money to uh, Fort Stalker. There was one mitzvah that he had, and that is what, in fact, perhaps shielded him and saved him from the great day of, of judgment. And that mitzvah was that that person, that man, was actually a moil. And if... He had the opportunity to do a, a bris. So even if he had to travel many, many, many miles, he would go there to fulfill the mitzvah of, of, uh, of Brismila. And he never took any money for that mitzvah. Not from a wealthy person, not from a, a poor person. And it happened once that a certain destructive force came to him dressed up as a man and said to him, you know, my wife just gave birth to a, a boy and the brismila is supposed to be on a certain day and therefore I'm asking you, please come to the bris to, to perform the, the ritual for my son. Straight away, the male went home, took his equipment that he used for, for the bris and got on a wagon go to go with that person who who asked him to come to the for the miller to do the bris because he really thought this was a a genuine uh, a person and he didn't know that this was uh, unfortunately a, a malach who you're going to see was testing him and they went together in the wild wagon and when they came to the forest so the the this uh, Malach was taking him further and further into a land where no one had ever been. It was just a land full of mountains and 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 uh, and hills and desert. And they traveled for two days straight. And finally, says on the third day. So he brought him to his house. Which was like in a teeny village. Maybe there were 20 houses. And when they came to his house, the Moyal saw that this person was actually a very, very wealthy person. And he had incredible, beautiful things in his house. He had meat and, and, and fish. And the Balabas took the horse and he gave it to his servant to give it some uh, food as is normal. And the, uh, the, the, the male had no reason to, to suspect that anything was, was amiss over here. So it was. So then the Balabas went to go to, uh, work, whatever. So the male went to visit the, the mother who had given uh, birth. And when he saw the woman who had given birth and she saw the male, so she was so, so happy. And she greeted him, and she spoke to him, says, Come, come, my master, and I'm going to tell you a tremendous, tremendous secret. 
And she said, you should know that my husband is not really a human being. He's actually some kind of a, a demon. And I, she says, I'm, I'm a regular human. And when I was very small, the, 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 uh, shade and these demons kidnapped me. And, okay, whatever I've lost, I, I, I gave to them. But you have to know everything that they do is only to try to hurt people and, and to, and to undermine people. And I'm warning you that when you do the bris on, on, uh, the child that I gave birth to one of them, and I'm warning you, save yourself, be very, very careful. Don't eat anything in this house. Don't drink anything and don't take any gift, not from my husband and not from any one of them. And when the male heard this, this, uh, warning, he was very, very, very afraid. And it came evening. So many, many people, men and women came from the village with their horses and, and their wagons, all looking like human beings. And they were all actually these, these shadim. And when it came time for supper, so they tried to convince the Samoyel, please wash your hands and sit down with them and, and, uh, eat from the, on the Suda. And the male refused to eat or to drink. He just said, I'm, I'm very tired from, from the journey. And uh, he didn't eat a- or drink anything that night, which of course is the Vachnach, the, the night before the bris. There was a whole, uh, whole Suda. He didn't, he didn't partake. It was the next morning, so they went to the shul, and they, they davened, and the, the moyel, right, as, as was the custom, uh, the shiras hayom is usually sung by, by the, by the moyel, and then he did it, and after the tefillah, they brought the baby, and he did the bris, as, as was the normal minig, all across Klaisa. And after that, so the sandik made like a small kiddish with some, uh, bramfin and some, and some mazoinus. And the mother refused to eat. He said, yeah, unfortunately I had a bad dream and he was fasting because of that, that, that dream. And in, in the afternoon, so the, the father of the baby said, look, since the, the, uh, uh, the mile went to such a great, uh, uh, distance to, to travel so far, to, to come to the, uh, to the bris. Therefore, on his behalf, we're going to make the suda at night after his fast is over. And of course, we know that the whole intention of this Balabas was that the moil should eat some of his, uh, uh, food and then he would have control over him. And, uh, he didn't know that his wife had spoken to the, to the, uh, to the moil. And it came night, and there was this beautiful suda of the brismila, and nevertheless, the male refused to eat and drink with him. And he said, no, he didn't feel well, was, uh, had a, he had a, had a headache, and they ate and drank all the beautiful things, and it was when they became a little bit intoxicated. So the Baal said to the male, come, come with me to one room, and then the Moel was really, really afraid. And he said, oh, 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 it's okay, this is it. He's gonna, he's gonna kill me. So he went to the certain room and the Balboas showed him beautiful, beautiful, beautiful vessels and dishes. Some were silver and then there were some to another room where there were golden things. And he said, I want you to take at least something as a, as a commemoration of the cement. And the Moyle said, it's all right. I have gold. I have silver. I have home. I have everything I could possibly need. And, and I, I don't need any, any gifts. So the Balboa says, please take at least a ring or something. Something is expensive. Just please. So I can, I can, I can, you know, you'll have a, a, a memento of this occasion. The male didn't want to do anything. And he says, Baruch Shem, I have whatever I need in my life. 
And then he took him to another place where there were lots and lots of keys all the way around the room. They were all the, and the Moel's eyes nearly popped out of his sockets when he saw on one hook was a bunch of keys that looked exactly like the keys he had at home to open all different rooms and storehouses in his own property. And he says to the Babos, what are those doing here? Those look like my keys. So the Balboa says to him, I understand. I showed you gold and silver and all kinds of amazing things, and you weren't at all amazed. And now you see just a bunch of keys, which is just made out of plain metal, and, and you're amazed about that? He says, yes, what are my keys, keys doing here? She says, well, since you did me this big chesed of coming to bris my child, and you didn't eat my food or drink my drink or take any gift from me, I will reveal to you that I am actually a a shade, a, a negative power. I have influence over people who don't give tzedakah. And I have been given the keys and access to all of their things because since they've displayed such a lack of desire to give and to help and to benefit others, I have the right to rob them of the right and the ability to enjoy their money. Not only won't they give stucker, they can't even spend any money on their own enjoyment. But because I see you are such an honest person, here, take your keys, take them back, and I promise nothing will happen to you if you take them. And the Moyle took the, the bunch of keys and he went home and when he came home he became a completely different person. Straight away he built a huge stone structure, beautiful glorious thing and he did much much stucker and he looked after all the poor people and those who needed clothing he gave clothing to and he did amazing amazing things until the, the day that he died and he left this world with a tremendous, tremendous legacy. So we see that there can be wealthy person that they've absolutely been robbed of the ability to have any benefit, be it for themselves or be it for others from, from their, from their money. And they become so closed. They become so stingy that they completely, completely have no connection even to their money. And that's what the Ben Ishchai is, is saying to us. That's the Yad that has control over the base of Mikdash. And Chas Hashan, that hand can have dominion over any person who fails to use the assets that Hashem has given him in the right way to benefit, to be care, to be caring and to be generous to other, to other people. It says more than 200 years ago in a small village, in Europe, in a Jewish Jewish community, so they were getting ready for the chasna of a of a nebuch of, of of a couple. They were both orphans, and they were both absolutely uh, 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 destitute. And the shidduch had been made by the great Balatanya on the morning of the day of the wedding, while the whole community was still kind of still uh, uh, getting ready for the great the great event. So the the chief of of the police who was new in that town, he received an order from his bosses and that he had to find one Jew and draft him into the army today. And the commander who knew about the uh the wedding that was taking place that evening, he decided that the person he was going to forcibly conscript into the army was going to be that, that chassan. Now, the chassan had no, no choice. He had to go with the, with the police commander to the, to the police station and then to, uh, to wait that he was for his, for his, for his conscription. When this became 
public knowledge. So of course, all the leaders of the, of the community went to this, uh, person in charge of the, of the, of the police, and they prepared to give him all sorts of bribes and all sorts of money in, in, in exchange for freeing this, uh, this chassan. However, the commander was not prepared to even listening, and he chased them out of the, out of the building. Just a little bit afterwards, so the Balatanya arrived in the town. He had come to obviously participate in, in the wedding. And when the Balatanya heard what happened to the Chassan, he decided that he himself would go to the uh, chief of the police together with the Rav of the town. So the Balatanya came to this general and explained to him that since this young boy is about to get married today, so in any event, he's not going to be a very, very good soldier. And therefore, it's worthwhile for the, uh, for the general to take uh, the money that had been gathered, that the Gila had gathered for him. And, uh, you know, you could uh, hire a better, much better soldier than this poor Hassan who was, who was about to get, get married. The commander that just the night before had lost a lot of money in his, uh, in his gambling. So he decided this time, okay, he was going to positively accept the offer of the, of the Balatanya, but he asked for a huge, huge amount of money in exchange for freeing this custom. He wanted a thousand ruble. When the Balatanya heard this, the, what the, the, the amount that he had stated, he didn't get upset. And he let the commander know that he would organize it, that the whole amount would be him, would, would be with him before, before sunset. By sunset, he would have all the money. If you want to hear the rest of the story, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is 11.9. Chai FM, the program is Soul to Soul. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Shabbos, Chol And of course, since we're in the middle of Sukkot, so we're slightly deviating from our normal format. Normally, we would have here the special times for Shabbos, we'll get to that, but we're in the middle of a story. The Baal has been conscripted into the army. And the commander of the police is demanding an exorbitant amount of money. He wants a thousand rubles by that evening in order to free this chassan and allow the wedding to take place. When the, when the, uh, Rav who was with the Balatanya heard this, he said, how's it possible? How are you possibly going to raise that amount of money in such a short time? Answered the Balabas, I'm sorry, answered the Balatanya, Bezus Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Avar Amonim, he's the one, he's the father of all orphans, will be successful. So, immediately, they got the whole Kehillah involved in trying to raise donations, but after all their efforts, and whatever they managed to collect, they managed to get less than a hundred rubles. In the house of the Rav where all the money was being gathered, so they had a list of exactly who had given. So the Balatani looked at the list and he noticed that the name of the wealthiest person in town didn't appear on the list. So he asked, how come this wealthy person doesn't appear on, on the list amongst the donors. So the residents of the city answered that this wealthy person is not prepared to give any stock at all. Oh, he is. He's prepared to give one little copper coin. Absolutely no self-respecting poor person would even go into that, that, that coin is actually so small, it's an insult. And no one would even take it from him. And therefore, even that little copper coin has remained in the possession of, of the wealthy person. 
The Balatanya wouldn't waste the opportunity even to get the smallest coin. And he decided that he was going to go to that wealthy person himself together with a Rav and ask him personally to donate in order to get this chosen uh, out of out of out of being conscripted into the army. So the wealthy person welcomed the Rav and the Balatanya into his house in a very nice way, and he listened to the request for for a donation. And when it was over, he got up and he brought the Balatanya a a insignificant copper coin and said, This is my donation. The Balatanya took the coin thanked the wealthy person with all his heart warmly for, for his beautiful donation, gave him a bracha, and went towards the door. So the wealthy person said, well, Rebbe said, stop one second. says, I think that I, I didn't give you enough enough money. And he gave the Balatanya a ruble. Balatanya again thanked him so pleasantly for his donation of one ruble. And again, he got ready to go. And again, the, the Gvir stopped him and brought him a few more ruble. And this happened over and over again until suddenly the Gvir started crying. And he told them that one time when I was a youngster, and I wasn't wealthy at all. So a, a very, very poor person came to my house and he asked for a donation. And I didn't literally have anything to give him except I had one little copper coin that I found in the house. And I brought for that only this, this coin. But he refused to take it. And he mamish. He threw it back in my face because, and, and I was so hurt. I was so insulted by that. So I swore at that moment that I would give that coin to anyone who asked it for a donation. It doesn't make difference what was the cause. The main thing was if someone was prepared to accept that coin, and he would say, thank you for that. And many years passed. And many, many people refused to accept that little simple copper coin that I offered them. And therefore, that coin has remained with me forever. Rabbi says, you are the first person that was prepared to accept that coin, whatever it was worth, and to express thanks. And in your schus, I'm now no longer bound by my oath, and here's the entire amount of money necessary to free that chosen. Here's a thousand ruble. I think we can probably already guess how the Rav, how the Balatanya reacted, and the chasen was freed, and the chasna took place with tremendous simcha and, and tremendous emotion. The next morning, the chasen went to to Toivel in the river, and suddenly he became aware that floating near him was a a a leather a leather briefcase, and when he opened it. He saw that inside there was 1,000 rubles. It seems that what happened was on the night of the Hasna, that commander of the police fell off his horse and, and he died. And the Hasan who found that, uh, that purse with the, with the money belonging to the police commander and in it was all the money that had been paid for his, uh, uh freedom. Straight away, the chassan went to the rav and he asked him, "What do I have to do with with uh, with the money?" So the rav paskins that the chassan must take 
the money that that's kind of a uh, 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 a chasna gift, special chasna gift from the Balatanya, from Rashner Zaman Miladi. And based on what we're saying, it makes sense. That wealthy person was, again, was so constricted, so constrained, and, and that's what led to his seeming uh, miserliness. But when the Balatanya took that one simple copper coin from him, so by that, that kind of emancipated him and freed him from, from their control, and he was able to give a huge amount of money. And with this we can understand, says, says, uh, in the Shara Kavanis, that the Arizal always had a minute to give three coins to any, to the Gabite Stoker by Chakras. When he said the, the paragraph by Avorach David and he got the words by Atta Moishe Bakol, he always gave him three coins. And in fact, uh, uh Pinchas Koritz brings as is actually quoted from his uh from his Talmidim that uh, he says that the minig of the Ariza was that if all of Kleiso knew that how great giving stalker is and specifically to give stalker in the morning when we say those words Hashem you control you rule over over everything so then everyone would give stalker and and he says the Melchamashiach would would come and therefore we can say that it is within the power of those little amounts of money of stucker that we give, that we worry about someone else, that we help someone else, that we make sure someone else has what to eat on Yantav, that we make sure that someone else has what he needs to be able to carry on his life. If we could give that money, so then we don't know what we could possibly achieve. And we, we could open an outpouring of Hashem's blessing, both in physical means, in spiritual means, and not only have our own personal simcha of but spread that joy to everyone. And that joy will continue to compound and grow on itself. And Be'ez Hashem invariably and hopefully very soon will bring us to the greatest joy of all, the coming of the Melech HaMashiach. May it happen speedily nowadays. We'll be back with our closing comments in a moment. This is 11.9. The program is Soul to Soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM Soul to Soul Back on your radio Erev Shabbos Kedish Shabbos Chalmoyed Sukkot Sorry for the slightly different format of this week's program but it is Yontif and Yontif different things happen but as we always do slightly later than usual to give you the very very important details you need to know for this coming Shabbos Chalmoyed so this afternoon the earliest time for lighting Shabbos Licht is at 4.55. Five minutes to five, you can already get the candles on. Many people perhaps are not as involved in their work this week as they would normally be, so there's more time perhaps to get things ready. And let's get Shabbos started early. Afkhalmoid has its own Kedusha, its own beautiful sanctity. Shabbos is really, really special. Let's get our Shabbos started as early as timelessly as as possible. If we can't manage the earliest, then the latest part time for Shabbos Licht this evening is at 5.56, four minutes to six o'clock. It's already getting getting uh, much, much later, is the latest time. Please make sure everything is organized, the food is hot, the lights are set for those who are perhaps dealing with load shedding this afternoon. You've made arrangements to get your food hot or keep your food hot and, and get that all organized. And Bez Hashem, we go into a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. So the latest time is 5.56. Shkia then 
is at 6.14, 14 minutes after 6. That again is the absolutely latest time in injury time. If you're really, really in a crisis, that's the latest time absolutely you can do. You can do a, a malacha, 6.14. And if you want to therefore be able to daven myrav and not have to repeat krishma, all you have to do is wait till uh, 6.32. 18 minutes beyond that, then it's proper night, and you can already say Krishna, and then sit in your sukkah, in this beautiful, balmy kind of nights that we've been having this week, and sit and enjoy a beautiful Shabbos surah with your friends and, and family, and just enjoy the ambience of Shabbos and sukkahs together. It's a double, double whammy of, of beautiful, beautiful and sublime Kedusha. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Cholmoyed, so we have quite an extensive davening, obviously, the normal Shabbos Shachris with Yalav Yavai as normal Cholmoyed. We say Halal, full Halal, obviously, without taking the because it's Shabbos, it's Muktzah on, on Shabbos. Then, because it's Shabbos Cholmoy, we read the Megillah of Koheles, and the Kriya Satera is the special one for Shabbos Cholmoy from Pashas Kisisa, where it mentions the three major festivals of the year. The Aftera is a prophetic one about the war of Goyigumogog, the final war that's going to take place in at the end of at the end of time, then of course the musaf is the musaf of Yamtiv with additions for for Shabbos, and the Shabbos continues beautifully. Beautiful day is getting longer. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at six forty six, fourteen minutes before seven, and that ushers us straight into Hashan Rabbah. That special, special day of extra dominating, of a second chance to really make good on the final decision and make sure that we can get the Seitiv Lano Achasima, that the final signing of our decree for the year should be, should be a, a good one. And we'll just end here because that's all the time we have. And I'll take the opportunity of wishing you. There's so many beautiful things to wish you. First, a good Shabbos for the coming Shabbos. And then, Metzeshem for Hashan Rabbah, good to Kvittel. Taka, may we, maybe we have a beautiful, beautiful ending to this period of the Yom Noroim. And then, of course, a good Yontav for Shminyatzeres and a beautiful, beautiful, exalted, a Simcha story full of real, genuine Simcha. And Bez Hashem, if Baruch lets us, we'll be back together next Friday and begin a new cycle of the Torah again from Parshas Bracious. To each and every one of our radio family, good Shabbos, good Yontav, good Mayid, and just be well, be healthy, be happy, and thank you for joining us today.